Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Elodie Nerlich. I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. I'm Rosie. This is Martina Navratilova. This is Mark Forbes. I'm Andy Murray. You're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. A very Merry Christmas, one and all, wherever you may be listening to us, and a Happy New Year for 2018. The tennis season is very nearly upon us for another year. We can't wait. Catherine Whitaker and I, we're still in the Putney Exchange. It's where we live when we're not at home, uh, eating turkey and all that sort of stuff. I mean, stuff. it almost literally is where I live, David. Yeah, it is just over the road. You know, I'm the one who has to do all the heavy lifting and go, you know, train after train. Anyway. Uh, enough of that we are here for a special edition of the tennis podcast because uh, frankly there's nothing else tennis related to really talk about at the moment we've done our tennis podcast awards we've got the the new year coming up we've got the australian open on the horizon we'll hopefully be back with grand slam daily shows um if we can reach our kickstarter target which we are closing in on if you haven't yet contributed and you want to and you want to have uh, daily podcasts from us at the grand slams throughout the australian open and the French Open, the Wimbledon Championships and the US Open, do go to kickstarter.com and search for Tennis Podcast 2018 or have a look at our social media channels and any backing you can give us along the way, much appreciated. Uh, you can also, if you want, enter our predictions competition. The field is growing all the time. You can put your neck on the line against Catherine Student, Matt, Rosie the Dog, myself, Wayne Ferreira. He's an entrant into the Tennis Podcast Predictions Challenge in 2018. You can introduce a show, all sorts of stuff you can do. But Catherine, we're here for a special Christmas edition of the Tennis Podcast, and it's to talk about the movie Battle of the Sexes, which I haven't seen, but you've seen. I have seen it, so yeah. It's, it's a good job one of us has seen it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is really, otherwise yeah, the this wouldn't podcast work. Tennis Podcast is sort of developing a sub-category um, in movie reviewing, given that they're continually churning out tennis films as far as i know there are none in pre or post production so this might be the last tennis podcast movie review for some time so savor it folks yeah unless we decide to start tennis podcast the movie (laughs) tumbleweed throughout the putney exchange who would play david law yeah oh yeah, there's a good idea. Uh, so yeah, Catherine, that bloke who played Jaws in James Bond died a couple of years ago. So yeah, I'm his replacement. <laughs> um, so, what do you think? What did you think of this film? This is the story of the 1973 
meeting between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, a male chauvinist, self-confessed, um, who eventually took on Billie Jean King after having beaten Margaret Court previous to that. And this film tells the story of the events that unfolded. It does. There was a documentary made about it in 2013, but this is um, an acted motion motion picture, I think is what they'd call it. Um, Emma Stone playing the lead role, Steve Carell, one of my favourite people in the world. Um, and I found it quite difficult watching him playing someone so odious because I just love him. Um, but he did it brilliantly. Um, sort of four, four, four stars out of five, probably. I, it was really, really good. And I think from a review point of view and... Uh, Please um, uh, give me a bit of leeway here because I'm not a professional movie reviewer. I'm going to do my best. Um, there's sort of two um, perspectives from which to review it. There's one of it as a piece of entertainment, as you know, two hours of entertainment, and I think it did very well from that perspective, particularly well from that perspective. And there's um, it as a as a record, as as an account of a very significant sporting and feminist moment in history and I, I think it did very well from that point of view as well and I think what it did particularly well is marrying those two things it had a real brilliant element of fun and entertainment it never lost its sense of humour and yet it had a very serious heart and the, the message and the seriousness at the heart of it was was never lost for a moment either from from the entertainment side of things brilliant performances brilliantly acted really tightly scripted i think the scripts are where so many films fall down these days but um yeah really slick and sharp and well paced um similar to borg McEnroe, the portrayals were bang on without ever straying into caricature and i think that's a really difficult thing yeah. to do to have an honest portrayal of a real life person who is still alive Bobby Riggs isn't, but Billie Jean King obviously is, and and it not feel like a, an impersonation or a caricature. I think that's, I'm guessing it must be incredibly difficult to do. Um, and yeah, it, it's it, whether you're looking for sort of two hours of um, escapist entertainment or for a, a sort of educational couple of hours, and um, I would urge you to to try and enjoy it as a as an informative. Um, couple of hours as well it it ticks both boxes and I should probably hold my hands up really to being a bit dismissive of the battle of the sexes as a significant effect uh, event in um feminist history and uh, and I think that is probably indicative of sort of a, a bit of um I don't know, sort of over, the overprivilege of being a fifth-wave feminist rather than a, a second-wave feminist because my, my, my position on the Battle of the Sexes was that it played into the hands of the people that misunderstand the argument. The likes of John McEnroe, who, who, who engage in the debate about where Serena Williams would be ranked on the men's tour, which as I've gone into before, completely misses the point. To, to pit a man against the woman is not the point. It's like pitting a middleweight boxer against a heavyweight boxer and, and 
and suggesting that we could learn anything of any significance from that. We wouldn't. Um, And that's what I've always thought about it. But I realise now that the only reason we are largely able to have the level of nuanced and advanced debate about the still pervasive level of sexism in sport in, in the world that we are able to have now is because Billie Jean King and plenty of others fought the more basic battles that they did back then. You know, she wasn't fighting for anything close to equality. She was just fighting for a modicum of respect. There's an actual line from, from, from the film in, in, I think, in on the morning of the, the Battle of the Sexes, this, this event that was watched by 90 million people worldwide. It was the biggest live tennis crowd there has ever been. It was in the Houston Astrodome. I mean, the scale of it as well is something that I, I, remember I hadn't Evans, quite appreciated. Our colleague Richard Evans said he was based in Los Angeles at the time and he said for five days running, it was front-page news on the LA Times. He was having to write about it every single day. And, and the, the, the scale of what Margaret Court took on, of what Billie Jean King took on to her shoulders in doing that, what she knew was riding on it, what she had to deal with. You know, she she was she was the representative of that. She had it all on her shoulders. You know, she that, didn't want to play him, did she? She, she didn't. But just to finish my earlier point, there's actually a moment in the movie where she's being hounded, chased by chasing, chased by reporters in in the hotel. You know, and and one, you know, so I suppose it's a what um, one of the reporters says, Billie Jean, you seriously, you, do you seriously think you can get equality for women? And she turns around, and she goes, I'm not, I'm not asking for equality. I'm asking for a tiny bit of respect, and. I mean that's desperately depressing, but you have to start somewhere, don't you? And I and I often, I often feel a bit depressed about the level of debate um, about feminism and and equality. I often feel a bit depressed that I even have to engage in some debates because it's all so obvious to me. But and I feel like, you know, what? Why am I constantly having to defend the fact that? women should be treated equally to men it it, it sometimes feels like an indignity to have to engage in the debate but it's a necessary indignity to get to the stage where there is no debate where it's just accepted and we've all got Billie Jean King to thank for the fact that we don't have to have the level of debate that we had to have in 1973 you know in 1973 it was completely acceptable for people inside that Houston Astrodome to be holding up signs saying, I'm a proud male chauvinist pig. That's where they were in 1973. And we're not where I'd like us to be now, but we're not at the stage where people are walking around with placards saying, I'm a proud male chauvinist pig. No, it it is... When you look at some of those images and read some of the the words that were exchanged and, and reports that were made and even even some of the the commentary lines that were coming out in those matches around that time it makes you realize just how far the conversation has moved on even even if day to day it's difficult to see that progress if you if you rewind that length of time you realize that actually we are living in a completely different world yeah and we're talking about 
again, I had I had been dismissive about the, the the nature of that debate, the man versus woman thing, because I thought it, it completely misses the point about you, you, there's no point in staging a completely unlevel playing field and then talking about the results of the match that's played on it. For me, that is just that's what angers me so much about the level of debate at the moment. The the economics argument to to um, equal pay you know for me that is is so grossly misconceived and to hear the likes of well plenty of male tennis players Wimbledon trotted it out in defense of their scheduling this year you know that is an accepted argument that economic defense of unequal pay is an accepted argument and that distresses me but I see I see now as a result of sort of appreciating what happened in 1973 that I can see where we might be in in 20 years I can see the progresses that has been made in the last 40 years I can, and I can see where we might be and that's really heartening and Billie Jean King in a lot of interviews um, she's done uh, around the movie she's talked about the fact that you know she was Jack Kramer it comes out as the real baddie from the movie. He was the executive director of the ATP at the time, a former tennis player himself. You know, Bobby Riggs is is just a buffoon, really. His sexism is just it's it's just a role he was kind of boorishly playing at the time. It was more about Bobby Riggs and his ego than it was about any doctrine that he particularly believed in. Whereas Jack Kramer. Um, is portrayed as is the real villain, really the guy that really fundamentally believes the sexes are unequal. Um, and he, there's a line from him at one stage uh, in the movie where he says, "Billy Jean, it's not personal. It's not your fault. It's just biology." Um, and uh, that's very telling, isn't it? And it was acceptable to say that then. And um, yeah, we've come an awful long way. And in fact, Jack Kramer was one of the commentators during the match, which is just staggering. And some of the things that he was saying, some of the passing remarks that he was making to his... You know, Billie Jean had to fight for there to be a female co-commentator on there. And what she had to endure in terms of remarks from um, from Jack Kramer is, is amazing. But one of the things that um, Billie Jean King has pointed out in some of the interviews she's done around the film is that, um, again, on the subject of the unequal playing field which is not talked about nearly enough it was only in 1972 that um what the the legislation um was passed in america declaring for the very first time that equal federal funds should be spent on men and women so it was only the year before and it was only after that that scholarships were awarded to women for sport at university so most male players at that stage had had scholarships had had university scholarships i know arthur ash had um a couple of others um as well stan smith had i think um and she had to you know work two jobs whilst funding her tennis training and i mean that's just one of the bazillion ways that the the playing field um is unequal and and the level of dialogue that was palatable back in 1972 was the necessary precursor to a level of acceptance about the debate that we have now. We're nowhere near what we need to be. Back in 1973, women were making 59 cents on the dollar of what men were making, and now we're up to 79 cents. 
um, and that is 21 cents off where we need to be, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Simon Briggs wrote an interesting review of the film and, and brought a different tangent to what he saw that the primary role of the film and, and one of the primary... T- stories it was trying to tell wasn't just about the battle of the sexes but about the journey of sexuality for for Billie Jean King that she is depicted as having been married and then has discovered her own sexuality throughout the course of the telling of the film. Absolutely and in in fact in terms of narrative that plays as big a part in in the film as the actual Battle of the Sexes itself and I think it's incredibly sensitively told. I think Andrea Riseborough is an incredible actress and she plays um, the female love interest of Billie Jean King and and the whole process, the way her husband handled that uh, is really sensitively handled and in fact Billie Jean and her wife are godparents to her ex-husband's and his subsequent um, new wife, their godparents, their children. So it, I'm, I'm sure there were moments where it wasn't amicable, but I, I believe it is an accurate portrayal that he was, her husband was um, very supportive overall um, of the process that she went through. Um, it, it's brilliantly well handled. And, and again, Billie Jean King has spoken 
beautifully about it, about how she just hopes um, the film helps people understand, um, helps people understand LGBTQ issues. And um, she says the unknown is what makes people homophobic. And I think that's a really, really important point. People are scared of of the unknown and so to to shed light on that sort of thing is is only a good thing and um yeah for it to be i mean the the, the battle of the sexes issue and and that event and all of it such a big thing for them to have dealt with that as well to have them to have dealt with the sexuality issue as sensitively as they did and for the two things not to be conflated or competing with one another was really really well done i have to say margaret court <laughs> does not come out of it particularly well and it, it is possible is i've heard a few reviews suggesting that her sort of latter perception has tainted the the way she's portrayed back then um well um because she's completely well, she's portrayed as deeply homophobic and uh, as somebody that was sort of, had sort of spied that that Billie Jean King might be gay and was therefore um, pretty negative towards her. Somebody who saw the whole as as, as unsisterly, basically, she's portrayed as completely unsisterly, as not supportive of the the women's the women's libbers, as they were called then, and um, is both homophobic and not particularly supportive of the the feminist movement which I don't know what she was like back then but she's not giving <laughs> us now much reason to give her the benefit of the doubt is she interestingly she she did do a big piece with Oliver Holtz in the mail recently um, who went to see her um, in Australia and, and challenged her views on a number of these issues she stood firm on them I, I still I'm still pleased personally that he took the time to go and see her properly and ask her the questions and and not just go with soundbite answers as headlines um, but still it's it's still concerning that that she sees things the way she does in my view um, but the the other element that Simon Briggs's piece and I, I guess the film as a whole also just brings into focus is is that we are still in a position where I don't think any male player has actively, while being an active player, come out openly whilst still being an active player. Um, and, and that probably also tells you about where we are in, and how far we still have to come. Yeah, and we're further behind in the men's game in that respect than in the women's, but it's still not great. I mean, we've had um, Jocelyn Ray, the doubles player, um, retire from the sport this week, and, and there have been a number of uh, interviews with her, very interesting. Um, and she's talked about um, the the progress that, that's been made and how indebted she feels to, to Billy Jean King for what she did for progress in terms of attitudes towards homosexuality in the women's game, but... She also talked about how far she feels there is to go. That's that's an, an, another another point I just wanted to quickly make about the battle of the sexes, and that is, I think a lot of good can could come from there. I don't know there being some sort of big screening, mandatory screening for all WTA players to see that and 
well, have a good couple of hours of entertainment um, and also have an appreciation of, of what they're all a part of has come from. I know that sounds really corny, but it it's important because I don't think a lot of them get it. I don't think a lot of them get the fight. There are a few and, you know, sometimes it feels like Serena's out there on her own fighting the good fight and she doesn't have a whole lot of support and you know none of them wants to be the one to to uh, stick their neck out and and I get that and it's a shame that they should have to fight and I get why a lot of them would feel like you know why you know they're all right why should I be the one to fight but it is a shame it is a shame that 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 they have this privileged position of being able to make a difference and this applies to the men's players as well and sadly it applies more to them because people take more notice when a man comments about gender issues than when a woman comments about them but they all could be doing a lot more um, you know it's one thing me banging on about this stuff and people like me but if someone like Car- Caroline Wozniacki were to say it or Gabi Numigarutha or Simo- Simona Halep you know a world number one or someone with status that people listen to that's a completely different kettle of fish. So, at least there is a film, though now that they can uh, that they can watch and um, and hopefully be helped along the way. Incidentally, um, a couple of other reviews. I, I read a lot of reviews of this film without having seen it. The, the, the view was split. I, I think generally speaking, most people were pretty positive about it. Most film reviewers. Camilla Long, the Times columnist, said. So disappointed by Battle of the Sexes. What a clunky, cliched bucket of bollocks. Yet another film that tries to monetize feminism. I love the trailer and I'm a huge fan of Emma Stone, but it was also unoriginal. I, 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 I sort of get where she's coming from in terms of unori- unoriginal. It is not, given the quality of the source material, the quality of the, 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 the raw materials they had in terms of the story to tell, it's not it's not doing anything other than doing a good job of telling that story with good performances and a good script. It isn't... The the events were life-changing and significant. The movie itself is not groundbreaking. It, it, it's not, you know, that much more brilliant than, than watching a documentary about it. Many would probably prefer to watch a documentary. So I get what she's saying there. The monetizing feminism thing... I, I mean... I don't quite... I don't quite get her... Well, I mean, I do get her point, but I don't see where it it applies here. I mean, if someone... We're not making enough films about women because the people that make decisions about what films to make and the people that make the films themselves are men and they say that women's films don't make money um, so they don't get made. And, you know, we, we need people um, with financial motivations to make movies about women. That's why we're so underrepresented in the media and... I, I, I don't, don't quite, agree. I, I don't get the point there. Okay. Well, that is the battle of the sexes, and uh, I think Catherine, it's a film you've taught me into watching. Not that I needed much talking into, um, but <laughs> there aren't many good tennis films around, and we've kind of had two in a year. The only two good tennis films I've seen. Really. Well, t- well, I can only think of Wimbledon. There are others. Match point, apparently. I haven't seen that it's one. It's not about tennis, though. It no. features some tennis. Right. But it's not about tennis. I quite tennis. liked Wimbledon. Everybody hammers Wimbledon. But, Come you know, on. Corny Come on. Loved it. <laughs> uh, no, well, no, they're the only ones I can think of. Anything else you want to add? 
Anything else I want to add? Um, no. Just, I, I mean, my, my moments as a film reviewer are numbered. <laughs> no, Catherine Whitaker, another career awaits, no doubt. Well, I'm certainly going to go and dig that film out and have a, have a watch of it. Hope you do too. Uh, we hope you are having a very nice Christmas if you're listening to us over the Christmas period and a very happy new year as well. We will be back in the new year. We're getting closer and closer all the time to funding our Kickstarter for Grand Slam Daily Shows. Weekly show is there, guaranteed. We've already done that. And we will be back in the new year with new shows. Shows. Catherine Whitaker and myself will be both in the Australian Open in Melbourne as well, and we will be speaking to you from there. But for now, thanks for listening to us throughout 2017. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring this show to you. We will be back in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport in the new year. We'll speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.